Welcome to Lead with Confidence, the podcast where we will explore the journeys of leaders who inspire, empower, and believe in others. Join me to discover your self-confidence in love, life, and leadership. I'm Desiree Petrick, owner of Intentional Action, motivational speaker, and executive coach, and I can't wait to join your journey to learn what it means to lead with confidence. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Lead with Confidence. I'm going to be trying something new, maybe a little bit different. I hope that it's going to be really exciting to have not only my voice, but a guest's voice in the same episode. So what is going to look a little bit different is I have already recorded the episode with my friend Brian, but I'm going to come in here. I'm going to share a couple of thoughts and insights with you about the topic that we covered, and then I will share Brian's episode all in one. I've been reading Greg McCowan's book, Essentialism, and essentially (laughs) what it says is that we need to be prioritizing things. We need to be scaling back if they're not feeling aligned with what it is that we want. And so doing two podcast episodes in this season of life was causing more stress than it was um, a return on the investment of time. So I'm not saying this will be forever, but for the time being, I'm going to be doing one podcast episode a week. Sometimes it will just be my voice, but I'm hoping that a lot of the time, not only will I get to share some of my thoughts, insights, tips, and tricks, uh, mindset shifts, but I'm also going to be able to introduce you to someone that I find inspiring, to someone that has something to say about the topic of leadership and personal growth. So I'm really excited about it. I hope that you're on board with it as well and that I can really bring some quality guests to you over the course of um, hopefully forever as this show is airing. So the podcast episode for today is all about our awareness in our authenticity. Specifically, when I bring Brian on to this conversation, we're going to be talking about the DISC personality profiling. So I don't want you to get scared. If you don't know what DISC is, if you've never heard of it, Brian explains it so well. It's going to be really impactful, specifically if you work on a team um, and within a company. It's going to open your eyes to some of the different things that maybe have been holding you back, that maybe create some barriers between you and your teammates, all of the things. It's so amazing. So even if there's a couple of things that are over your head, just power through and it the things that you do take from it, they're going to be worth it. Even if you get one nugget, it's totally worth it. So I want to just touch on two things first that tie into this concept of knowing ourselves better with our DISC personality, but just in general, and then also knowing other people better, getting to understand them and their personality styles. How can we meet them in the middle? How can we start to feel more confident in our differences, to feel more comfortable with maybe some of those conversations that need to be had in order to build trust and loyalty among our team? So the first thing that I want to tell you about is just the journey of my 30 years and why it's been only the last few years that I've truly felt like I have some really authentic friends. In my younger years, I don't know if it was the oldest child. I don't know if, I don't know what it was, but I was this people pleaser. I wanted to be for everyone. I wanted to be able to fit in with every group. And so I was talking to my friend Jess the other day and she's like, I don't know why there's such a bad stigma around people pleasing. 
when you're in business, when you are with a spouse and in general, you want to be able to connect with other people. And what that typically means is that you are pleasing them in one sense. You are meeting their expectations while staying aligned with who you are as an individual. And so I, when talking about the good kind of people pleasing, the kind that maybe will help us to get further, I'm talking about the bad kind of people pleasing. I wanted to fit in with the people who were in band, with the people who were jocks, with the people who ran the hallways after school. I wanted to fit in with all the different groups because I think I was scared that I wouldn't fit in enough with any one group to to be able to be my my authentic self. Or if I did show my authentic self, they wouldn't like me anymore. And so I made it a practice to just be whoever that group needed me to be. Now, when I was in sixth grade, one of the the questions on a test was, what is one rule that uh, should be applied in schools to avoid bullying? And I was pretty certain that I was going to get a flat out F on this question because what I said is we shouldn't need rules to avoid bullying. We should all just be kind to one another. <laughs> um, I think I got as high of a score as you can get on that, but for the time that it took to get it back, it was in question. But there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked. It's a human reaction to being in a social situation. We want to be liked. It doesn't matter if you tell people differently. We do. We want to be liked. And so I don't want you to think that it's a bad thing. If you are trying to meet people where they're at, if you do maybe change a little bit of your personality to fit in with the groups that you want to be a part of, that's okay. It's natural. But what I'm trying to say is that as I got to know myself better, as I started to be authentically me, and you'll hear me talk with Brian later about my personality style, which is very interactive, very um, outgoing, but also maybe a little bit on the aggressive side, a little bit on that decisive and direct side. So once I started to, to really feed into that and to understand what those things meant for me and to me, I started to really gain friendships that augmented some of those things for me or that really shared the same qualities and traits that I had. And that helped us to bond. And that helped me to drop some of those barriers that I was putting up and not showing people who I truly was. It wasn't until I started to really work into my authentic self that I started to form relationships that when my mom passed away, all of them came to my mom's funeral, some of whom had never even met her. They were there for me because we had forged that connection. We had built that bond. And so I really just want to encourage you that if you feel like in any way you're not living into who you really are, I want to give you permission to do that. And if you don't feel like you know who you really are, I want to give you permission to try things. Um, Taylor Thompson, who I interviewed last week, said, throw spaghetti at the wall. Figure it out. What what do you like? What do you not like? What are you good at? What are you not good at? Who do you want to be friends with? Who do you not want to be friends with? It's okay to trial and error on these things. It really is okay if you want to try things out. That's how you get to know yourself better. The other thing that I want to talk about is that you can't be for everyone. So I shared this on my Instagram stories the other day. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you can go to at Desiree Petrick on Instagram. But I shared that I had done a presentation 
for a group of 25 individuals. And I had asked for a mid-review review for a mid-year review just to check in. I was meeting with them once a month for nine months, and I just wanted to know how it was going. I wanted to see, are there things I can change? Are there things that I shouldn't? Because as opposed to not asking for um, advice or responses, which can make you feel good because you don't know what people are thinking, you don't have an opportunity to kind of um, change things, alter things. You don't always need to take all of the opinions that you get, but even with a grain of sand, you can start to manipulate things in a way that work a little bit more for everyone and it's not truly costing you anything. So I wanted the feedback and I had reserved myself to the fact I had started to understand that not all of them would be positive. I knew that. So when I got them back, and it sure enough was a bag of mixed emotions. Um, Some people, it was, oh my God, I could listen to her all day, every day. She's amazing. Um, I maybe embellished a little bit, but some of them were, she's not really for me. This is really repetitive. I don't think we need to do an hour. All of the different things and everything in between. And I could have really beat myself up about that. I really could have started to get down on myself that some people didn't like me. But then I remembered something. You cannot and should not be for everyone. If you are for everyone, like I tried to be in high school, then you don't know who you are. You get to be yourself. That's enough. So if you're trying to please everyone, if you're trying to be for everyone, if you're changing who you are at the core to please other people, that's when people pleasing starts to fall into that not so great category. That's when people pleasing starts to be not where it is that you want to be. So how can you come into your authentic self? How can you be okay with both the good feedback and the bad feedback? Don't take it to heart. Don't take it as the Bible. Really learn from it. Start to understand what it might mean. What can you change? What would still feel like you're being true to your core self without just saying it doesn't matter what other people think? Because it it does. In order to live in a thriving society, work in a thriving team, we need to be willing to listen to each other. We need to be willing to talk to each other. We need to be willing to meet each other in the middle and understand where we're coming from. And knowing that specifically in DISC, there's four different distinct personality styles. How can we use them to our advantage? How can we get to know ourselves and get to know other people so that we can begin to work together and trust one another and find authenticity in ourselves and meet each other in the middle? And have that transparency that takes down some of those barriers that often lead to not even distrust, but just a lack of trust altogether. We get to decide that. We get to put in the work and take on the responsibility of getting to know ourselves and other people. So that was enough for me. I want to get into this conversation with Brian because um, he is a friend of mine, uh, actual, uh, like a real life friend. Like I've known him for a while now. He is... Um, fantastic. And I think you're going to love him. This is the first interview that I've done that someone asked me questions. So we were kind of interviewing each other during this, just as both certified Maxwell DISC consultants, we both had thoughts and ideas on this topic. So this one was super fun for me. I can't wait for you to hear it. Like I said, some of the things might sound like we're talking gibberish. Some of them might be a little bit over your head. That's okay. Um, If it doesn't resonate with you, 
Hopefully this first half of it did. Um, but I really think that there is something to be learned about your ability to work in a team with your spouse, understanding yourself and understanding other people around you. So Without further ado, Brian is a Maxwell Certified Leadership Team Speaker, Coach, and Trainer, and a DISC Personality Assessment Consultant. He provides customized leadership development that's fun and relevant to organizations so they can grow their teams and attract new people. Brian's clients include businesses, nonprofits, and school districts in South Dakota, Iowa, and Minnesota. He lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with his wife, Tarina, and their four children. Um, And as he'll mention as well, he is currently a pastor at a church. So I am so excited to introduce you to Brian and let's get into it. I am here to bring you another discount and this is on one of my favorite products. This is the Silk and Sonder journals. So every month you get sent a new journal. You can subscribe one month at a time, three months, or do the entire 12 months. I am in love with these journals. It's kind of the perfect mix between daily habits. There's places for food tracking, there's places for shopping lists, but also it provides spaces for journaling that aren't so long that you get overwhelmed. And there's a lot of get to know you better questions and all the things that I love. There's a different theme each month and you just, you can't go wrong with these journals and they are beautiful. So I'm giving you $10 off if you use the code that I give you. So if you go to DesireePetrick.com slash silk, S-I-L-K, I'll give you $10 off to try these out. Seriously, they're amazing. You're not going to want to miss out on this opportunity. I always say that I'm here with my friend, but this might be the first time that I'm actually having someone on that I've known for a little over a year now. And um, Brian is someone who is probably one of the most selfless people I know. He's been um, there for me, a mentor to me in this John Maxwell coaching life that I have come into. And I'm so excited to have him here specifically to talk about DISC because DISC is something that I get really excited about and not too many people can geek over it like I do, but I know that you love it too. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the Maxwell world? I appreciate your kind words. It's been a lot of fun watching you just take off in this journey and with your business and all the all the value you're providing to your clients and to the community and, and just even the greater world through this podcast and other resources. So thanks so much for what you're doing. It's a, a privilege to spend some time with you here today. I joined the John Maxwell team in May of 2021. I currently also serve as a pastor at a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And was looking for something more career-wise, work-wise, and just another way to maybe add value or give back to people outside of my church community. Obviously, I'd known John Maxwell, read his books, or many of his books, knew that he was a great speaker and heard him speak. Didn't know that there was a coaching program until I Googled it and, and found you know a link and, and clicked it and met with the program advisor. And pulled out a credit card and, and here we the are. The rest they say is history. <laughs> yeah. I had to have a, a few days to think about it because I'm a C style with the disc. So I, mm-hmm. I need to analyze and, and, you know, drag my feet a little bit on that. Talk to my wife, but it's been by far one of the best decisions I've ever made. Certainly the best decision I've made in the last two, three years. That's awesome. And do you feel like the fact that you're building a business with this program is why it's the best decision decision you've made? Or do you feel like 
being a quote unquote coach for the John Maxwell team could be a benefit to someone just looking to grow in their personal development? Yeah, really both. Um, the business side of things, it's been good. This It's picked up here these last uh, few months. Uh, 2023 was a, was a good year for a, a side hustle or a part-time gig. But, but just the, you know, you and I are both kind of uh, book junkies, you know, development junkies, and it's a great environment for that. It's a great environment for meeting people and seeing what they're doing and how they're being impacted, getting resources, getting books, trading ideas. Uh, this is working, this isn't working, that type of thing. It's just a really unique community without uh, a lot of ego, which is unique mm-hmm. for, I think, my professional experience. There's just a willingness to help without, you know, bragging or boasting about how awesome someone is. Yeah. The uh, first IMC conference I went to, I could not fathom the number of people that were in that room who were all so willing to help one another, even though we're doing the exact same thing. Right. It was just unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. It's startling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, today we are here to talk about DISC. And what it means to know what your disc style is, to be able to meet people where they're at because of what their disc style, oh my gosh, I'm going to get tongue-tied with that, what their (laughs) disc style is. So I know, but let's make sure to share with our listeners, can you do a brief overview of what the four DISC stand for? Yeah, so DISC is a behavior assessment similar to others. There's Strength Finder, there's Enneagram, there's... Myers-Briggs, there's color tests. I like to say they're all trying to do the same types of things. There's differences, obviously, to each assessment. They're trying to tell us how people-oriented we are or task-oriented we are and where we are on that spectrum. Also trying to tell us how extroverted we are with our energy or how passive or introverted we are with our energy and where we are on that spectrum. And so DIS and C stands for one of the four dominant behavior types. The D is the dominant. It's an active task-based personality or behavior type. The I stands for influencer. It's also active, but applies that energy towards people. Uh, The S is the steady style. It's a passive people-based style. And we say passive, that that doesn't mean weak. That doesn't mean pushover. It just means a little more chill, a little more relaxed, not as hyper as that I style, but uh, still enjoys being with people. And then the C is a passive task-based style. That's the, the 30-second overview there of DISC. So are you a C compliance and I? I'm curious. Uh, my dominant is C, and then I have some S and some D. I is actually my, my lowest, yeah. Knowing you, I I can typically peg people pretty well if I know them, and sure. I would I would not have guessed that at all. So that's interesting. Well, I think you know in in our work we we have to learn or you know some of those things, right? Adapt. Um, yeah, for sure. How about you? Yeah. I'm a high ID, uh, so yeah. I always say I'm aggressively friendly. I'm definitely not the <laughs> passive style. <laughs> Yeah, and watching you, you're not afraid to, you know, hey, I'm Desiree and go meet, you know, whoever, right? Meet the speaker, mm-hmm. meet the keynote, meet the leader. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, when I started in a management position at a healthcare facility, I was a high D, nothing else. Um, but I was leading out of a place of fear. I thought that I had to have mm. that aggressive style and to make decisions so that, um, you know, I wouldn't get in trouble for someone else making a decision that 
didn't have my name on it. And mm-hmm. over the course of the three years that I was doing personal development, it flipped um, okay. because I was trying to meet people where they were at and I was trying to get to know people more. So I always say sometimes the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs, they might not change. Um, DISC is something that you can kind of modify as you learn and grow in who you are as an individual. Right. So what does that look like? What does that process look like to see something that you don't necessarily love? Like you said, passive isn't considered weak, but someone might see it that way. How can you either become confident in the style that you have, or how could you start to change it if you didn't? It's a good question. I can remember being a a junior high student. I'm old enough where it was junior high. It wasn't middle school and taking, taking an art class and it was required. And that's really the first time I can remember my C style coming out because the teacher would show us the project that we were doing. I'd wait for her to be done teaching. And then I would go up and ask her for one-to-one tutoring or one-to-one instruction. Cause I wanted my project to look just like mm-hmm. her project. I wanted to achieve that. I wanted that, you know, achievement. And she would say things like, Brian, just, just be creative or use your imagination. <laughs> I'm like, lady, I've got none of that. <laughs> I need to follow the steps. And early in my career, early in my marriage and, and other relationships, uh, that was a detriment because I didn't understand that I was analytical. I didn't understand that I needed time to think and process. I didn't understand that I'm a learner who can collect information and collect data and apply that to situations. Uh, people would just accuse me of being a perfectionist or they accuse me of delaying or, or not wanting to hit the deadline. And, and it really wasn't that. And so uh, taking assessments like DISC and Strength Finder and others have been just revolutionary for me to say, this is how I'm wired. I'm not going to hide behind it. I need to modify that. Like you said, I need to understand uh, you know, how you're wired or how my uh, other people are wired or leaders are wired relationships are wired so that I can communicate in that style, much like a a foreign language. If you speak Spanish, if I can speak a little bit of Spanish, we're going to connect better than if I can't speak anything at all. So um, it's been, it's been eye opening for me last several years for sure. Yeah. And I always say like, don't show me your QuickBooks. Me and numbers do not match. (laughs) (laughs) that's so shown by this disc profile. I mean, even some of the things that you wouldn't anticipate, I'm doing a disc training with a team this week and I start to talk to them just based on their graphs. And they're like, how do you, how do you know that? It's it's amazing. You feel like they almost followed you for a week and just like wrote down everything that they saw. (laughs) Yeah. You've had that experience there where you're teaching or training and they start laughing or they elbow their, you know, mm-hmm. their, their workmate or their colleague or whatever. That That's the good stuff right there. That's the power of, of stuff like this. Yeah. And so how can you, what does it look like to get to have teammates come together once they understand each child's style, each other's style? What is, what is the benefit of making sure that you know one another and what those disc styles mean? Yeah. I the The main benefit is or not the main, but one of the key benefits is understanding. Take that, take that D style. Uh, the D style can get a lot of flack, especially at work where you've got the owner or, or the leader like yourself or the, the founder or the CEO or whatever. And they're just, they're barking or they're demanding or they're 
they seem short uh, or they have a quick fuse. And that can be negative, especially I'm in, you know, I'm in Dakota, South Dakota, that Midwest, nice, doesn't always appreciate what that style brings to teams and to organizations. But once we know that person's got a D style, that's how they communicate. It's a lot less personal. I'm not mm-hmm. taking it like, oh, what's wrong with so-and-so? What did I do to, to so-and-so? Like, that's just how that person communicates. It's not mm-hmm. personal for them. It's business. I know that's cliche, but that's really how that, that style is wired. Likewise, I've got a, a longtime friend who's got a lot of eye in him. And when we go out for, for lunch or, or grab a drink or whatever, I know it's going to be two to three hours. And I just, for me, that's not a lot, but I need to, or that, that is a lot, but I need to budget that time. Like I'm going to, going out with this guy and it's going to be a great time. I'm going to love doing it, but I just need to make sure I'm not trying to fit that in into a, a certain time frame. Yeah. I had lunch with Holly Hoffman the other day and I'm like, we're both the I style. I budgeted a good two and a half hours. (laughs) We sat in Chipotle and I'm sure they were like, what are you doing here? Holly's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's funny, you know, as we train teams and as we get to know things better, we can kind of say, you know, you have this, this I or D style. It's very active. You're kind of a visionary. You're not looking at the itty bitty pieces of things and you make decisions really quickly. But mm-hmm. in order to, to really jive with or to see things from a different point of view, you need to be willing to understand that those S and those C styles, they deliberate a lot slower. They want mm-hmm. all of the different information. They want the numbers. They want the policies and the rules. So once you understand that about them, you can say, okay, this isn't my style, but I understand it. I'm aware of how I might come across if I go in completely with who I am. So how can I change things a little bit? How can I take that awareness and that understanding and kind of meet in the middle? Yeah. So, you know, from from your perspective, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the D and the I here. Where have you seen the S and C have to either give on some things or be aware of some things. Uh, those tend to be more dominant or not dominant, but more common styles that we see at least around here. So mm-hmm. what have you noticed that's been working for them and for you? Well, it's funny because I have a healthcare background and sure. most yep. of the teams that I've done this with happen to be healthcare and yeah. almost all of them are that SC. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to put people pleasing as like a negative because we're, we're Midwesterners. I mean, yeah. we are Minnesota nice and South, yeah. South Dakota nice, and we want to please people. And that's not a bad thing, especially when you're talking in a business sense, you want to be able to make the customer happy. Absolutely. Yeah. But with that SC style, because it is passive, sometimes we're not being authentic. We're not being totally truthful because we want so bad to please people. And then that trust and that loyalty that could be built by sharing a little bit more um, personally, it there's a disconnect there because yeah. we're trying so hard to please the other person that we're not willing to share enough about ourselves. And so specifically in healthcare with those SC passive styles, you see it a lot where trust is the thing that's missing because mm-hmm. everyone's trying so hard to please one another. So um, my recommendation, kind of my overall blanket recommendation when I get off of a debrief with someone is just be you, figure out who it is that you are and like tell people that, ask them questions about themselves and meet in the middle somehow. That's what's going to build the trust. Have you found that 
um, SC style or, or the S style in general to be a little passive aggressive. Well, they are. I mean, but <laughs> am I? I mean, as a D style, because I'm aware of my D style, I have to be almost passive aggressive because otherwise I'm just going to be aggressive aggressive. So, like, I think that every style has that ability to be kind of passive aggressive just because if you are in a workspace or if you're dealing with your spouse or your kids, you don't always get to say what you want. Sure. So sometimes the only way to get that across is to be a little bit passive aggressive. Yeah. Um, but fair. if you get to learn and know more about yourself, it can be a little less um, rude. Yeah. <laughs> but what about you? What's like the revelation that you've, once you started doing all the training with DISC and once you've started working with teams, what is it that you're noticing? Is there a pattern? It's why I asked that, that yeah, that passive aggressive, because I, what I see S tends to be the, the common, the most common style that we see. Mm-hmm. Definitely in the debrief side, it's the most common, uh, at least primary style. And I think what's been eye-opening for me and for clients is that S is a loyal, friendly, consistent, dependable personality that to some degree will, will take, take, take until they can't and Mm -hmm. they're either going to blow or they're going to shut down they're going to pull back and so one thing i like to tell teams is you know if you're in a meeting you're discussing something and you've got someone that is chatting and participating and you can feel the tension in that meeting rise a little bit if that person all of a sudden stops talking i've seen it probably you two have seen it but i've seen in multiple groups that person stops talking there's a reason behind that and you don't have to take a disc assessment to know that's a steady, loyal style who is sensing conflict and is not going to engage. They're going to to pull back. And so a really wise leader or a wise team is going to say, hey, Desiree, we saw you, you know, participating in this and you haven't said anything in a few minutes. We're just curious, you know, give us your perspective or, or what happened or, or what, whatever the question might be to get permission to bring that person back into to the group. Because that person is going to vent if they don't share that in that space. Well, not only that, but they are the passive style. They are willing to let other people talk over them. Absolutely. So unless we give them time, um, space, and permission, they may just never say anything. This week's episode is brought to you by Natural Cycles, the first FDA-cleared birth control app. It allows you to learn the unique pattern of your cycle with tailored updates and insights. Recently, it was updated to pair with your Apple Watch for effortless tracking. It's hormone-free, non-invasive, and effective. The app was also recently updated to allow your partner to log in and keep track to be a part of the process, either for birth control or planning of a pregnancy. By using my link, you will get 20% off of an annual subscription and a free thermometer. Go to DesireePetrick.com slash naturalcycles or click on the link in the show notes. So Gretchen Rubin is one of my favorite authors and she has her four tendencies quiz. And almost always I ask people to take both the disc assessment and the first four personalities because obliger rebellion is literally someone who's willing to do anything for anyone um, and is held accountable by other people's expectations. But if you continue to do that without putting yourself first ever, you're going to blow. You're, you yeah. you're going to explode. And so um, I find it fascinating that 
those tendencies, the Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies and the disc personality style, they do coincide. Not always, but a lot of the times those styles are those obligers and those questioners. Yeah. So great insight. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to have Gretchen look into that. I know on her podcast, she's talked a couple of times about how the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram don't seem to to coincide at all with the quiz that she's come up with this four tendencies quiz, sure. which is free. If anyone wants to take it, you can find it. It's right. pretty fascinating. Just like disc. I recommend everyone tries to find that self-awareness. Um, gonna, have, but, gonna have to get Gretchen on the show. Yeah, that, that would be um, like all time bucket list. I met, <laughs> I met John Acuff last year and that was like, total fangirl on no. my heart. Brian's actually the one who's like, he's in town. <laughs> so, <laughs> I traveled to South Dakota to see him and it was totally worth it. But that's awesome. What, what else, what's your favorite um, exercise to do with disc? What's your favorite insight to give to people when you're leading those workshops with teams? We'll do, we'll do a couple different things. Like that, we like the numbers exercise. I don't know if there's a way to to share that resource with with your audience, but the, the numbers game that we have access to is fun mm-hmm. because it shows patterns, and and that's what disc is. That's what communication is. Is, is it's patterns and recognizing patterns. Uh, I like to have some fun with the different styles and talk about the different types of cars that different mm. styles might prefer, or the different type of clothing that different styles might wear. Uh, have some fun of myself uh, in each of those uh, types of things. What type of social media might each style prefer? And then with teams, you want to make, you want to get a little bit deeper between some of that fun stuff um, to say, well, how does this work day to day? And so we'll talk about what each style is preoccupied with. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. what causes each style stress. Uh, We'll talk about, I call it buttons, you know, like a, like on your car, if you have a check engine light that comes on, each of our styles has those buttons that you can say or tell, whoa, this, this style is under some stress. Uh, and then what happens when those buttons aren't addressed? Now we're in conflict. What does each style want to do when we're fighting with each other or in conflict with each other? Um, and then how can we you know, understand that to, uh, at least at the minimum, not take it personal, like I've said before, but, but really, how can I work together now with this person to solve this issue? How can they see my style? How can I see theirs? Yeah. So what are some of those buttons? Give us some insight. Yeah. So, you know, for that S style, we've talked about it. that S style, um, a button's going to look like shutting down and, and, and disengaging or, or yielding, um, <clears throat> especially in a, in a discussion or, or in a group setting. Uh, the D is going to look like they're angry uh, and demanding and even pushy. And that's where we get the, whoa, what's, you know, what's wrong with so-and-so today? But it's just a button. We're, we're, it's a very audible button. Uh, for the eye, the eye can look like being illogical or even becoming more talkative. Um, I worked with an eye guy uh, several years ago. We were in a heated meeting and he just started talking. It wasn't making any sense. And he's like, I agree with both sides. I'm like, you literally cannot agree with both sides. <laughs> like you literally have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. But that's that. That's some of that illogical. Like I'm under stress. I need to process verbally. And now I'm not really making sense. Uh, and then for the C, you know, picking on myself, it looks like sarcasm. It looks mm-hmm. like snark, pessimism. If I'm getting negative, that's a sign like there's something off in me and I'm starting to pick at people or pick at things. Uh, 
I'm under some stress that I'm not dealing with. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and what would be like, how do you start to see that in yourself? Do you think it has to do with your secondary style too? Or does most of it have to do with that primary style? Uh, good question. I, I think for me, it's my primary style to begin with. Um, but I've got some S in my, in, in me, I've got some D in me. Um, I know certain cases I, I'm, I'm fine to just work by myself, get stuff done, cross things off lists. I'm not a, a total hermit though. So there is that, that S like I need some, I need some people don't need a lot of people, but do need some people do need some connection, some, some outside, you know, relationship type stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I do debriefs, it's funny, well, maybe not funny, but how many people have this chameleon special pattern thing. So for anyone listening, it's not as complicated as it sounds. Essentially what it means is that all of the different, the four different personality styles are very close to the midline. They're all kind of straddling the midline and it happens so often. And essentially what it means is that the individual is stressed in their environment or uncomfortable or just not fully feeling like they can be themselves and so to see this over and over and over again in a work setting is almost kind of, um, I don't know, concerning. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah so do, you many any, do you have any insight on, on that as to, as to maybe why or, or what are, like when you're doing the debrief, what are, what are those folks telling you? Well, the first thing I say is because they have it, I say, what, what is causing you stress right now? What's causing mm-hmm. that, that frustration or the feeling that you can't be yourself And a lot of times it is that feeling that they don't understand the other person. And so they don't know how to approach them. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, you know, I've moved or I've lost a family member or I've changed my position. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. that. Um, But a lot of the time it's I'm under stress at work because there are people that I don't understand and they don't understand me and I'm just on edge all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is where I think DISC is a huge benefit to say, if you guys would just understand and be aware of what you are, you can start to work into that authentically and that's going to build that trust. So not only are you going to see what you are and how you best operate and how you are um, most aligned with who you actually are and what your personality is, but you're going to get that opportunity to allow them and give permission to them to, to be their best self. Honestly, I just say talk to each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just communicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you, it's okay if you haven't, but have you done a, a second assessment on someone and seen change or growth or see that chameleon thing go away? Well, a lot of times, and I think what they recommend is that if you, if someone has a chameleon pattern, the best thing to do is to say, retake it, but mm-hmm. look at it only from a work perspective, right? Yeah. only from that home perspective, yeah. saying the reason it maybe is like that is because you are just trying too hard to make it about you as an individual and not you at work or you at home, mm-hmm. which is usually why we take them. We want to see how to better connect with people. And those are two different groups. Absolutely. If that doesn't change and you're still in that chameleon group, I would say I would give it at least two years before you mm-hmm. retake it and expect to see any change. Right. Because that 
that stressful environment, it takes time to change. So you might just get frustrated. But like myself, it was three years between when I originally took it to when I took it the second time and my D and my I had flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was 200 personal development books that went into that time. And by <laughs> no means am I saying that people have to put in that much work. Um, you but, have done the work, that is for yeah. sure. Put <laughs> <laughs> in the hours. Um, but no, I... I think it is possible to change them. And that's kind of why I asked that question earlier is what would it look like to feel like you need to change? Why wouldn't you want to be your authentic self? Like, you know, and for me, it was, I was leading with my D personality out of a place of fear Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to confidence. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't ideal. Yeah. Yeah, You're not, you're not operating out of, who you are and, and how you want to be known and how you want to lead. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's called the mask. There's three different mm-hmm. crafts, one of which is the mask, which is how you're acting and perceived by other people, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily who you are. Mm-hmm. So getting those graphs aligned, if all three of them look the same, I mean, you're pretty confident in who you are. Right, right. But I've maybe seen it twice. <laughs> In a workplace, it's true. So any thoughts yeah. on that? No, not not really. Um, it, it is interesting. When, you, when you're talking about the graphs of, of our assessment, I, I like the – that first one is is bit, that the mask you're talking about is provided, proven valuable. Um, and, and some folks will have some insight there. That middle one, how I'm operating under stress, always looking to see if there's big jumps or, or noticeable mm-hmm. jumps jumps there and I like to tell people, you know, no right or wrong, no good or bad, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but this is what we're looking for across those three, like you noticed. So yeah. But so as we're kind of wrapping up the time here, I want to know from you. So we know the benefit of knowing our leadership style. We know the benefit of mm-hmm. someone else's leadership style. But pulling out of that, how do you lead with confidence? in just in general, in your work environment, how do you ultimately lead yourself, lead your employees, lead your team with confidence? It's a lot of, at least in my experience, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of listening. Uh, It's a lot of um, asking questions. Maybe early on, when I was younger, it was more, I've got to be, I've got to match this persona or match what people expect out of me in this position. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. And so there's not, I'm a little more comfortable uh, with who I am, a little more comfortable with how I'm wired. Um, I've gotten really good at, at recognizing what I'm not good at mm-hmm. <laughs> and not trying to pretend and not trying to even work on that anymore. Uh, but to say, hey, I can use help here or partner with someone here or or sub it out and hire out things that, that I'm not great at. Uh, and that, that's taken some time. But because of that, I can be confident in what I am able to do, what I am able to serve how or how I'm able to serve and, and the, uh, the work that I'm able to do. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a poster child for, for a lot of confidence, uh, in terms of maybe how we, how we see that, 
Um, I don't know if people would say, hey, this is a real confident guy. Uh, this is a guy who's growing. It's a guy who's trying. It's a guy who's learning um, and, and able to share what what work I'm doing or what work is being done. Um, and, and so I've got a, a track record of things that haven't worked well <laughs> that have given me some confidence on what has. I know that doesn't really make sense, but uh, it makes sense in my head. So. No, it does. And one thing I know to be true about you is your consistency is mm -hmm. unmatched. Um, and so to be able to have confidence in your ability that even if you're not amazing at it, even if it's not going to be the easiest thing, um, even if it doesn't end up being the thing, mm -hmm. you're doing it right. and learning from it. So Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what's the one book? What's the book that everyone has to read um, in order None. to be a more well-rounded <laughs> human, which for someone who reads as much as we do, that is a really hard question. Well, I know. So I know. I you asked, that, you, you asked that question before coming on and I'm like, I can't narrow it to just one, <laughs> but you, you know, you we're, we're, we're Maxwell people. So we got to, we got to at least share one of those. My favorite Maxwell resource is the 15 invaluable laws of growth. Mm. And I've seen it work with, seasoned leaders and really experienced leaders i've seen it work with 19 year olds who are just jumping into to their career that's that's the power of that that book that it can really impact people no matter where they are uh, on that career and for me it, it like comparing it to the bible is probably sacrilegious but when i read scripture i'm always amazed at how different things jump out even though i've read that passage several times it's the same idea with that book, especially it, with different groups of people. They'll pull out different things. And you're like, oh, I've read this three, four times and haven't noticed that quote or that story mm -hmm. or that uh, topic or that concept. And so uh, that's the one I, I, I like to give away. There's a lot, bunch of others too, but uh, we'll, we'll end with that one. I love that. I have seen it work. I did a... Um... I think it was five weeks with yeah. a group of yeah, seven. Your, your first mastermind was on yeah. that. Yeah. And it it's amazing. Like there was people that said it changed my life. Yeah. And it's not because of the words that you read on the page necessarily. No. It's how you relate it to where you are and where you want to go and how to close that gap and the tools that other people have used and the mindset shifts yeah. that you can have just by reading the book. So yeah, I've got I've got one client who's going through it. And last week uh, she was like, I, I said something to my grandma and I said something to my fiance, <laughs> like the, the gap, the spectrum between those two people probably couldn't be any greater. And yet the topic still applies. So mm -hmm. it, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, like I said, you are probably the one um, person I've interviewed that I know the best. So this has been one of my favorite yeah. times that I've gotten to interview someone. So thank you. Um, Absolutely. Always good to spend time with you too, Desiree. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of Lead with Confidence. If you are interested in getting DISC assessments for your team so you can start to work and learn and grow together, go to DesireePetrick.com slash DISC. That's DesireePetrick.com slash D-I-S-C. We'll get you all set up, do all the things DISC. I promise you it makes such a huge difference in your ability to connect and to grow with one another. All of the links from today's episode can be found in the show notes. As always, I want to hear from you. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know? Who do you want to hear from? 
So Desiree Petrick on LinkedIn, at Desiree Petrick on Instagram. Send me an email at leadwithconfidencepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, just know how much I appreciate you. Know how much I would appreciate if you were willing to leave a review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. It means so much to me and it truly is how people find the show. So share it with a friend. Let me know what you think. And until next time, lead with confidence.